0: How many decisions do you make on a daily basis? Well, we um, we we kind of wake up in the morning and we're sort of bombarded with lots of little decisions, aren't we? This morning, you know, shall I wear the cream socks that I was wearing yesterday? Or shall I change them? You know, <laughs> will they stick out? They look very good with the kind of light suit, but you know, maybe the dark jeans—do they really match? And so on. i have any warm for one day. You know, these kind of decisions are things that you actually make decisions about, aren't they? But they—they they kind of almost—you make certain decisions that actually you hardly even think about. You know, what you have for breakfast. Um, you know, what top you're going to put on. Even driving to work, you just kind of do it Um, because you know the room. But then there's other decisions that actually you can get completely paralyzed about, kind of big decisions, unusual choices that you have to make, like, who should I marry? Um, What career should I choose? Do I buy or do I rent? If I'm going to buy, you know... um, Where should it be? How big is it? You know, is it top floor? Is it, you know, so on. So you're making those kind of decisions. And we're kind of involved in those sort of things. And sometimes we can just get absolutely kind of paralyzed on this. Um, the, The good thing I'm going to tell you just at the start is this is a very, this is probably going to be my most practical preach I've ever done. Okay. In terms of it's just lots of kind of handy tips, you know, which I can do at this age. I can kind of say over the loop for my vast life. I you know, I, <laughs> I have found these very useful. You know, and so you're going to get a lot of that. So you know, get your notebooks out and have a you know take down some stuff. Okay. Um, first of all, I want to say the Bible doesn't give us. You know, sometimes people look at that and they kind of, it doesn't give us kind of a clear sort of encyclopedia of every single choice. Let me just kind of look up in my Bible, you know, and find out, kind of look at the thing and say, okay, you know, buying a house, what do I do? You know, I mean, we could look at a number of people who kind of had houses and so on, but it doesn't, you know, it's not like that. And what we see is examples of people men and women, both godly and not, who are faced with decisions and really the consequences of their decisions. And in fact, the Bible doesn't shield us from the really bad decisions. And you're thinking... Ouch. You know, that is kind of known for thousands of years. We all kind of look at it and thinking, how could you have made that decision? And it's kind of brought out. But the reason that it's brought out isn't just to humiliate this person so we can say in heaven, uh-huh, you're the guy who did that. I know, you know, but it is there to equip us, OK, to actually help us to thinking, yeah, that was really a, a gaff. Uh, I really don't want to make that one. So in looking at kind of where am I going to land this in terms of biblical scripture, because there's just an an array, a plethora, um, it's kind of a Luke word, a plethora of things here uh, that we can actually choose from, I've come down on David mainly because um, I'm reading kind of Samuel at the moment and I'm kind of into that. So that's why you're getting getting that. And I think as one of the greatest leaders in the Old Testament for Israel, He had, by implication, to make a lot of quite important decisions. Okay? So we're landing it straight into um, 1 Samuel 24. It's coming up on the screens. Okay? Um, Off we go. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. Remember the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. The men of David said to him, behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and just cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. It came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him because he cut off the edge of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose and left the cave and went on his way. So I've just been struck by this passage, um, partly because the author is turning up the contrast, okay, Uh, mainly between David and David's heart. And Saul and his heart. Or David and his decisions. And Saul and his decisions. Saul is dashing from one decision to the next. He's he's done things like kind of taking on the kind of priestly role um, of, of Samuel. Because he really couldn't wait. We had stuff last week about waiting. But mainly Saul... Is being driven by a kind of insane insecurity over David. He is absolutely scared of this guy. He is worried he's going to take over his his kingdom, uh, and he's out to thinking I'm going to eliminate this guy. He's seeking to kill him with three thousand men, as we we're told. David is running for his life. He's hidden out with his men in this cave, and there's kind of there's a lot of irony at this point that. Saul chooses the exact same cave to, as the Bible says, relieve himself as David's chosen with his men to kind of hide out in. I mean, that's kind of like there's kind of an irony in there, isn't <clears> there? <throat> now I will leave it up to you to decide whether relieve himself is kind of number one or number two. <coughs> <laughs> It's quite a lot in commentaries about that point, just if you're interested. (laughs) But David's men, nevertheless, see it as God's fortuitous providence to jump him and finish him off. But David decides otherwise. Okay? The author wants us to see that whereas Saul has decided he wants to kill David, but for the life of him, even with 3,000 men, can't. Even though if he knew he had him trapped in a cave, that would be the end. That would be curtains for him, wouldn't it? Trapped in the cave, we'll just kind of barricade it up and set fire to it. You know, we could actually, we'd, we'd get the lot of them. That could have been it. And yet here is Saul, as David, who's been hiding out and suddenly finds himself with his very kind of enemy. Who's seeking him just right there. Relieving himself. Um, and uh, I, there's, a, there's a real irony in it. But then we see that David, he goes for it, so he doesn't kill him, but he just cuts off the edge of his robe. And he feels bad about it, so his conscience kind of gets him. Um, and then he tells Saul, so Saul leaves the cave, um, if you kind of read the next bit, he, he leaves the cave and. He calls out to him, and he basically tells him what he's doing. And suddenly, Saul realizes, "You could have, you could have had me there." And he, and Saul weeps. It says, and um, David kind of talks to him and says, "You know, it's kind of like you're not my enemy. I mean, you know, you're like a dad to me. You know, you're the Lord's anointed. You know, you, all this kind of worry about that like, I'm going to kind of do you in. It, it's in your head. It's not really true." Um, and Saul's really quite kind of. Taken by it, I want to bring out three things just in this passage. First of all, that David had a godly—he had a fear of God. In spite of being threatened for his life, he knew that his future was in God's hands. When you're making a big decision, you kind of can get paralysed with it, thinking, "If I make that decision, that might happen. If I make that decision, that might happen." Actually, he knew. That actually it was in God's hands. We've got to know that whatever decision we make, God's in charge. Yeah? God's in charge. It's not actually dependent. He's not like, oh, you better make that. Actually, God's in charge. So I think it's important that we really have a healthy sense of actually God's in charge when we're making really crucial decisions. And secondly, we have this thing of Conscience. Okay, his conscience cut in. Okay, it's, uh, it's important to actually have a healthy conscience. Something that actually does help, God's given us something to actually help us to think, no, no, I, yeah, no, I, I hear all, all you guys who are like, no, get him, get him, get him, get him. This is it. This is the day. This is the day. This is, remember, remember the prophetic thing, you know, come on, get on with it. And he, but his conscience is there that says, no, 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 I can't do that. I, I, I cannot do that. And um, in, in Timothy, it talks about that in the sort of latter times that, that our consciences or well, their consciences could be seared like a kind of branding iron. So it's kind of like you're kind of losing all feel, all sensitivity that actually um, your conscience is there for. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of trying to think of an example of this. I, I think, do you have one of those bleepers on the fridge, that actually you leave the fridge door open and it kind of goes beep 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 beep, and after a while you just kind of like, you you kind of forget you don't even hear the noise anymore. It just goes beep 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 beep, and it's kind of like like the fridge door's open. You know, I'll get it in a minute, and it's kind of like I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to move this in, move this out, and and you sort of you you so you become more and more kind of. Um, oblivious to it. And I think conscience is going to be a bit the same. It just kind of goes, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and you're kind of like, and either you're going to listen and you're going to think, actually, no, that's right. I did that. Yeah, this is the right decision. Or, or you kind of override it. And the more you override it, the more it kind of gets said. And I want to say that how do you? How do you encourage it? Well, you encourage it by reading about what is God's heart, and yeah, you no, know, this is God's heart. This is how God's heart. This is how God will respond to this, this particular issue. And so we, we read Scripture and we pray. We we apply it to ourselves. You know that helps us to actually have a good conscience. And then thirdly, honouring. We see an amazing thing that's brought out in the text. For David's not only honouring God, but he's also honouring Saul. Um, he had every reason, really, to think, "Well, the guy doesn't honour me," but actually, he makes a decision to honour God and to honour kind of the godly leader that God's got in charge. And there's a kind of there's an honouring that goes on that it's actually just really interesting that helps fashion um, him in that way. Um, and it's obviously interesting. Just a few years later on. Instead of in a cave, we're on a rooftop. Same guy, (laughs) David, who's facing another decision. And he's just taking a breeze. And all his men are out of battle. And he's kind of like just enjoying a bit of the cool of the day. And he kind of looks across. And he sees this woman naked, bathing. And (laughs) what happens to his conscience at this point? (laughs) You might ask. And he looks across and we know the story well. And he looks across and he sees, and instead of going, oh, my goodness. And what should have happened is his conscience should have kicked in. And he sort of said, oh, man, of course, this is going to happen. I actually just need to get out of this place. I need to get off the roof right now. Uh, and get distracted with something else. And instead he doesn't. What does he do? He, he inquires, you know, uh, and then he basically invites her over and it kind of leads through and it just bad decisions just kind of mount up. They become irreversible consequences. Um, you know the outcome, both for Bathsheba and for her husband, Uriah, but also for David, He lets his feelings override his sense. Uh, He isn't thinking about God at this moment. He isn't honoring this woman, her husband, her innocent husband, or ultimately God and his name. He overrides it uh, and he goes with his passions. And we see the same man, but actually making some very bad decisions. And I think that's quite, I think the Bible. Does that for us and helps us to see somebody who's making very good decisions, and then really bad decisions and I think we have those things that we're kind of that we weigh up um, and you know so, so develop those things have a have a, have a fear of God, have an honoring of of one another uh, and have a conscience that actually listen to it don 't just a oh, Ignore it, override it. Yeah. Right. I want to talk to you about the bucket. <clears throat> okay. Here's the bucket. See the bucket? <clears> this <throat> same bucket you see in the picture. I did think, shall I just go with the picture? And then thought, actually, I can't actually lift all those stones and bring that <laughs> lot in. So you have a you have a slightly reduced kind of <laughs> image here. But um, I will take out now. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you about a kind of. The first principle, okay? I've got a several principles here that I'm going to kind of talk about decision-making. And this is about prioritizing. A lot of decision-making is about, it's not that is this right or is this right? Sh- you know, it's actually which comes first. That's a lot of the decision. It's all, it's about should I, what should I put first in the bucket? And, so what I'm saying is, we need to actually put in the big stones first. Because what happens if we don't do that? What happens if we actually take some of these smaller stones? Okay, I've got a bit of gravel here, okay, from my drive. Uh, <clears throat> we got some... You know, some of the smaller stones that we could fit in. We could fit sand, but it would then get all over the. the, the so, <laughs> so we've got some smaller stones that we could. I can probably squeeze this in. Kind of, th- these are definitely easy to squeeze in at the end. But uh, you know, something bigger really isn't. If I don't get this in early on, actually, the whole bucket's going to get full, and then I'm going to try and. Oh, it just sort of sits on the top, and it, oh dear, you know. And actually, that's the problem. Okay, I should have put this in first, and then I need to put in the middle-sized things, and then I need to put in the little things. Okay? So there's the principle. What am I talking about? I want to say that sometimes we can face a situation where we are being controlled by the earlier decisions that we made. So it's not, well, I can't do that now because of this, this, and this. Well, yeah, but you should have put that first, And this is less important. So it's about prioritizing what is important and what isn't. And as I thought about this, I thought the interesting thing here is that um, it really doesn't matter whether you um, are a Christ follower or not. This principle still, still applies. So it's still about putting in the big things first. Okay. And some of you here today, you may not have actually made a decision that right now you're following Christ in your life. So, you know, um, you're very welcome. Um, But what happens in my life is that before I knew Christ, I still put the biggest things in first. But they were different big things. That's the point. And what is this before I knew Christ? Well, I'll tell you what it, what it is. It's I want to have a happy life. That's a that's, 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 that's really high priority. So I'm going to make decisions about what makes me the happiest, what makes me the richest, what, what, what things do I enjoy. And those are the things I'm going to put in first, and I'm going to put the other things in later. What happens when you become a Christian is actually those priorities change. So the big things no more. It's just about are, just, are you just living to be happy, but are you living to actually make him happy? Are you living to grow in your enjoyment of God? You know what things are going to help me to love Jesus more. That's a pretty big block that we actually need to get in. It had. You know, before I knew Christ, you know, what things are going to help you to love God more (laughs) might have been this size, (laughs) but probably didn't even get in the bucket, okay? Whereas now, it's a big block and it gets priority in the bucket, yeah? When we look back at the thing with David, we see that he was afraid of killing Saul. He'd shown his... It wasn't that he was... It wasn't that he was afraid of killing, because we'd seen that with Goliath uh, and, and many Philistines, but he was governed by some different principles. And these principles kicked in, that actually this is God's anointed. This is kind of like... I, 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 Shouldn't be even. I shouldn't even be cutting off a little bit of his his cloak, you know. Um, so there's a different principles that cut in, and he had principles that governed his life. I I was thinking myself, kind of some of the big decisions. What are the big decisions I have made in my life? Well, I, apart from coming to Christ, marrying Anne. Okay. Uh, there's not many bigger decisions than actually who are you going to get married to, is there? Um, I, the easy bit is knowing that I loved her, okay? So I, But then the second bit is, but does she love me? Okay, so, so there's got to be... <laughs> I'm just helping some of you here. There's got to be... <clears throat> got to be, you've got to face, guys, I'm just going to speak to the guys a second, you've got to face the issue, it's all very well saying, oh well this is how I feel, but actually the, the harder bit is, yeah but how does she feel? Does she feel like this towards me? And that's the hard bit of actually asking that sort of question, because you're kind of, how much do I disclose of really what I'm feeling, and how much am I trying to hide that? Um, my decision, my view, for whatever it's worth, is be straight, you know, be straight, be, be be straight, and kind of, this is what I'm feeling. Okay, let's just get it right out there. Let's find out. Um, and so you look at that. That's, that's, that's You're looking at these things. Um, what's, the, what's the next kind of thing? In terms of looking at this bucket, what were the things that actually were important to me? So, so number one in this decision was was, you know, I love her, and and let's find out whether, yeah, she seems like she's kind of got similar feelings to me. So that's pretty good. So let's stick that in the bucket. Okay. <clears throat> that eliminates, you know, that, 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 that's getting down to her. But then there's other things, isn't there? And there's things like, <clears throat> yeah, but does she love Jesus? That's pretty important. I want to know that. I want to know how much, how much is she actually willing to put Christ First in her life, Um, is she willing to give up everything else? Uh, Or are are there other priorities that are going to kind of kick in at that moment? And it was really important to me that I knew where she stood on these things. So we kind of had those kind of direct conversations. I guess another thing was, was she going to help me fulfill what God had in my life. So was she going to be good for me? In terms of helping, remember the bigger point, actually knowing Christ better. And a lot of that has to do with whether she is going to challenge me. Okay? Is she going to be somebody who challenges me and is, or oh, just going to let me, oh, it's fine, Matthew, just you know, do what you want. You know? Or is she going to challenge me and say, that's, that's that's not a very good thing. <laughs> you know, you, that you, you know that's, that's not good, Matthew. And actually, that's what she did. So she was a challenger for me. And that helped me. That was a big block in my bucket of actually knowing this is kind of who she is. And we had a time later on, where we, so we kind of got all those things clear, where we actually did. We, we, we had a time of prayer. We, we were very young Christians, very young Christians. But we, we kind of had a, a knowledge that God speaks. And so I just got this scripture reference. Kind of like that. And I just went, I didn't know it. I just said, look up Isaiah 27.3. So we looked at Isaiah 27.3. And we were really praying at this point. Actually, this is what we really believe that this is right. Everything else ticks apart. So All the other big stones are in. But, you know, let, let's just see if we can hear from God on it. And it says, I am the Lord. I am a keeper, I water it every moment, I will guard it night and day. Now the scripture is completely out of context, so it's nothing to do with marriage or anything else, but it spoke to us, and it spoke to us that actually God was going to keep it and water it in 43 years, here we are, you know, and actually God has been faithful to his promise, and so God spoke to us, and on that, and and all those other blocks, we actually made a decision, this is great, this is, we're going to go ahead uh, and get married. So that was a kind of. I'm just trying to help you with that. I want to give you another example, which is to do with buying this building. Um, this is really Dan and I, and uh, we looked around it. We prayed lots. Um, we were trying to make a decision whether to go for it. We, we hadn't been looking for a building to buy; it just kind of popped up, and we kind of thought, hmm, ah, hmm, can we just, you know, should we do it or should we leave it? You know, what do we do? Uh, there was a number of interested parties. Uh, it seemed that it might go for quite a lot of money. Um, we just thought, yeah, but it, would, it just seems like a really, it seems like God's kind of raised this up at this time. Um, and we, we basically, okay, one of the blocks here was, well, what money have we got that we can actually pull together to actually put down fairly quickly in order to be able to buy the building? Because we needed to do it quite quickly. So that was a really quite a practical thing. Okay, I'm saying there's some really practical points here. You know, some people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a house. So, so what, how much mortgage have you got? It's That's like, kind of like a number one kind of question. No good looking at that house then, is there? Uh, so we looked at that. We, we came up with that figure. We worked that out. And then uh, Dan put in a letter to the Church Scotland, uh, basically saying we, you know, our heart is to keep this as a kind of gospel focus, reaching the area for Christ and so on. And even though there was another bid that was two hundred thousand more than ours, God gave it to us. And partly the way God gave it to us again, it's a bit like the cave issue. Of, you know, this 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 consequence that you think, "Wow, that was amazing!" But you know, He arranged that by having the people that had been part of this church were part of that decision. So actually, when they were dis- discussing it. It wasn't just a financial decision. Oh, right, 200,000, well, we'll go with that then. It was actually, there was a decision that was made because the people that were involved in making that decision had been part of this church and said, no, no, see this letter that this man, Mr. Hudson, has written to us. You know, That's what we want. We want it kept for the gospel. That's what we've been praying for all these years. And so actually they decided, yeah, we're going to give it to you. So actually that's how that worked. It's just interesting, isn't it, how these things, are, they're often quite practical things. But actually, you're also seeing God kind of come into it and weave into it, uh, which is very helpful. Next point. Uh, We're going to talk about the quadrant, okay? I've, uh, this is kind of, what sort of decision maker are you, okay? Um, I've just made this up, by the way. Just so... (laughs) So don't try and look for it on the internet because it's not there. This is original stuff. I tell you, none of this secondhand, what's it, you know. <laughs> Number one, are you, are you impetuous? Okay, the purple. The kind of person who jumps into decisions really quickly. Um, uh, often just say by the skin of their teeth as they kind of work the thing out. Uh, it, the problem about these things is it's really making a very quick decision, not really look at any facts, uh, but, you know, yeah, but come on, we just need to make decisions, just need to kind of make them, make them, make them, you know, and it's, you know, we can be like that. It's, it's not just, well, am I like this? Sometimes in our life, we, we kind of are there and then we move across to something else. Okay, so we sort of mature in it. But the problem, obviously, about this point is that it can really come undone. It can leave others stranded with the consequences, okay? So often the person themselves making it is like, well, yeah, hey-ho, never mind, didn't work out. A kind of blasé kind of predicament, you know, we can just live with it. The, The difficulty isn't really about the actual person. It's about everybody else, so it's about other people get landed with the consequences of this kind of very quick decision-making. Uh, and that actually can be a problem, not only with that, but actually then you can lose credibility, particularly as a leader, because you're just like, well, this guy just jumps, you know, man or woman, just jumps to decisions without any real thought, and it's not actually very caring or. all. Very responsible. So that's, that's number one. Number two, we're going to cross to the external processor. <clears throat> I am an external processor. Many, many of you are external processors, okay? An external processor is someone who uh, likes to throw around the issue, okay, with a team of people. They uh, might argue one side very strongly, and then they might just change and decide, well, let's argue the other side, and you're like, well, which side are you on? Well, I'm just I'm throwing the idea around. I, I, at the moment, I'm trying to decide what's the right thing to do by kind of looking at the pros and cons and the weaknesses. And I want to kind of tackle it and actually get people to do the same. And then I'm going to kind of make a decision. Um, often thinking is spontaneous. Uh, they need this sort of cut and thrust of seeing if this particular course of action flies or not. Um, Uh, a word of wisdom here for you if you are part of a team where you've got somebody doing this, um, is, (laughs) I can't even believe I'm saying this, but don't take, don't take what they're saying too seriously. Because it might have totally changed by next week. Honestly. (laughs) And they're like, I see no inconsistency with that whatsoever. it It was a throwing around exercise. Of course it's changed. I've had, I've had time to think about it. We've thrown it around. That's, we've come to a good decision. Um, I mean, you know, you go into a store, you try on six shirts, <clears throat> don't you? You think, I'll that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. I'll try them all on. You might actually walk out and say, "Well, I didn't like any of them." <clears throat> it doesn't mean to say that you're an inconsistent shirt buyer. It just means you're trying some on and seeing whether it works or not. You know, that's okay. So there we go. <clears throat> Thirdly, the internal processor. Uh, needs time to process. Can seem like they uh, don't have any strong opinions on a decision, particularly early on. You know, what do you think? What do you think? Well, don't know at the moment. I haven't had time to think about it. You're asking me just straight off. I, I don't. I, I I'm. I, I need to look at. I need to research a bit more. <clears throat> Come back next week. They've researched it. They've chatted to a few others, they've thought about it extensively, and they've got a very reasoned answer of this is what we should be doing. Give them space. Don't rush them to make up their minds there and then. Um, It reminds me of my seven-year-old son going into our local sweet shop, you know, and he would drive the the shop owner absolutely crazy as he was kind of... Can, I, can you bring those? Oh, no, no, I don't want those. No, I'll have. Uh, no, 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 I don't want those. And he would just go through this whole thing. And the rest of the kids are all, I mean, almost eaten all their sweets by the time you got out. But you know what? He would walk out with these particular bonbons, and the rest of the kids were like, Man, you really got the best. I mean, look, see, they're longer, they last longer, they taste better, da 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 da, the whole thing. <laughs> Fourthly, um, indecisive. These guys just never make a decision. They are the opposite of a kind of impetuous. And it's probably the worst situation, uh, to be really honest. They're so riddled with fear and consequence that they never commit to anything. Um, God, God God is desperately trying to set up all these, all these things. Of you're, you're praying away, saying, God, give me, the, you know, give me this, give me this. And he keeps setting these things up for you. And yet you just you keep getting, you never make a decision. And, and then you're kind of like, oh, it, nothing ever works out for me. Well, uh, there were lots of things that worked out, but actually you never made a decision on any. Uh, and I think it's no wonder that God spoke to Joshua uh, and he said, be strong and courageous. It's like, I know Moses isn't around anymore to lean on, but we've got a land to take. Now, come on. And we need to have boldness and courage when we're making decisions. Yeah, ask God for... Boldness and courage. Lord, help me just to make a decision. Third point <clears throat> um, is about a climber. Okay? I am calling this the, uh, <coughs> the, five, the five points. Okay, see the five points? Um, now, I'm not a climber, but I see... If we just go back to the climbing a minute. I'm not a climber. But um, you don't want the guy kind of like taking his hands off and feet off everything at once because they'll fall, right? Um, and I want to say that there's something rather similar to this um, that we can do in church life. Uh, we actually, it's important that when you've got a lot going on, particularly some difficult at stage, okay, so you know that you've just had a baby. Okay, let's just take, we've got a few people in that category. Uh, you've just changed jobs, or you you know you're uh, you know you're looking ahead, you're going to be moving house. Don't change a whole load of other things at the same time. Okay, don't make all these other decisions about changing all these other things. Keep some things constant when you're going to have a big flux in your life. That's what I want to say. Okay, um, now let's look at the... These five areas, I'm going to say. So there's these kind of five areas. Church, work, home, relationships, and kind of emotional change, as I've called it, which is also sort of health. Um, So let's say you're having a new baby. Uh, It will affect work for probably both parents. It will affect bedrooms (laughs) and space. Um, The things that are less predictable are things like sleep loss and pressure uh, on you emotionally and relationally. OK, so there's, there's some things you can kind of think, oh, yeah, there's those changes. But sometimes you get hit with the kind of emotional change and they're not prepared for it. And I'm thinking, why did you change everything at the same moment? Let's say you're moving house. Don't change your job, your friendships, your role in the church at the same time. You need some things that stay stable. Otherwise, you're kind of really ramping up on yourself an emotional pressure that then makes you make bad decisions. Don't make key decisions when you are emotionally not as stable. Don't, don't, don't do it. Okay, they'll most likely be bad. Okay? Because you're making them almost as a kind of knee-jerk thing. Nearly done. I, I just want to say this. Don't I think one of the things I've seen, and one of the big mistakes I see people make, is that they're kind of, in terms of the big block, then they move to a new area, and the last thing they think about is kind of, is there a really decent, lively, great church that I've been to, and I've seen, and I've enjoyed, and is actually going to really work for me? And they kind of make a decision on what on. A house move, on a job move, and yet church, which isn't just, you know, it's not just where can I kind of learn about the Bible and worship God, but it's about relationships and about community, it's about, rela- it's about your emotional health and stability, it's a whole load of things in it. Make sure that you put, it's not just putting God first, but putting church and your community first in that way. Really, really important. Um, and I'm going to leave you with three in the last two minutes, I'm going to leave you with three very practical points. Define it as best as you can. So, you are about to make a decision. It's kind of going around in your head and you... What you need to do is you need to be clearer about what it actually is that you're really saying. Particularly, um, it's helpful if you're if you're a couple to actually talk about these things and kind of write them down and to say, so what are the what are the bottom lines on this decision? (laughs) Okay, and you're talking, you're trying to define it as rather than let it kind of be. Well, we're looking for a flat. okay and then you need to define what that means we had this just this year i'm trying to think of an example that's relevant for us and we were buying a new car we decided to sell two cars and go down to one car which meant that because Anne actually uh needs to be driving an automatic we needed to Move to a automatic. So that was one point that was really clearly defined. The thing is, I was looking because I've been kind of convinced about the Japanese market for many years. and I, So I was only looking over there. What I needed to do was to kind of come across and look a little bit wider, but I needed to define what those things were. What were the kind of things that were important? Well, one, it needed to be automatic. Two, it needed to have good fuel economy. Okay, So you can actually look that up. You can kind of see all the cars and you can see their fuel economy. Next... Uh, I wanted something that wasn't too big. I didn't want it as big as my kind of Mazda six for us to drive. We wanted something slightly smaller, so we kind of started looking at that, and then the, finally there's kind of cost, you know. So we kind of looked at those things. We were defining those things down, and we ended up with buying a VW Golf, okay, automatic Golf, which we just love driving and is great to do, okay. Um, but it was just an example of the the actually you the the clearer you. You can define what you're really looking for. The easier is the decision that you're making. Okay. Making lists. This sounds like just so kind (laughs) of sort of banal or obvious, but one of the problems is I think when you're really involved, enmeshed in making a decision, is it's kind of going around in your head. Just think a moment about things that you're really sort of like buzzing with, and you're kind of like, and you're thinking about it, and you, 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 you go to bed at night, and, you're, and it's kind of going around, and you, you know, And I, I found that actually making a list, what are the positive things, what are the negative things, what are the things that actually would benefit in this, and what are the things that maybe, what would we lose by making that decision now, what would we gain by making that decision now, you make the list, sit down, write it out, why write it out, because it kind of stops it from buzzing around, it actually helps you to kind of think, let's get it down in writing. It helps to put something in writing to actually stop kind of going around and around it and to kind of make a good decision. And finally, which I've already spoken about, just don't get paralyzed by indecision. At least make a decision. Do something. Don't live your life and thinking, actually, I, well, at least I didn't make any bad decisions. Well, you didn't make any decisions. you just kind of like, you know, that was just crazy. You make, you know, do something. Remember what I said right at the beginning? You know, believe that God's involved. Even if I make a really bad decision, okay, I think one of my worst decisions was buying a very damp, old too-heavy caravan at some point in our life, which we really couldn't afford, but actually we thought this was going to be a good option for us and our six children, and it really wasn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know what? We just then had to kind of make do with At least I'm making the decision, okay? And it wasn't... <laughs> it, it, it affected us for a few years. Uh, <laughs> we tended to have holidays. We had to kind of travel up from Newcastle up to Scotland uh, to actually have this... We, we had to park the... <coughs> caravan instead of it being a mobile caravan it was a kind of static (laughs) because it was so heavy Uh, uh, but at least we did something I'm going to pray we're going to leave it there Lord I thank you God that uh, uh, you have given us responsibility for making so many decisions in our life and we thank you God that you've won our hearts and I want to praise you for that Lord that you have you've changed our hearts you beforehand we weren't looking to you you were not a priority in our lives but now you are and I thank you God that actually what we're saying first and foremost today is that we want to please you Uh, we want to honor you we want to honor others Uh, Lord help us to be a people that makes good decisions and is not paralyzed by indecision give us guts uh, give us faith Lord, help us to make good decisions in Jesus' name. Amen.